Well, as we come to our time in the Word of God this morning, I'll ask you to take your Bibles and turn in them to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, as we are returning to our study of Paul's words in verses 14 through 17, focusing our attention on the reality that saving faith comes through the preached gospel. Saving faith comes through the preached gospel. We began last Lord's Day hearing the Apostle Paul in his very logical, very analytical, very didactical way throughout his argumentation as he's addressing primarily his Jewish brothers and sisters who he desires to see come to know the Lord. And he's dealing with them concerning this fact that the good news of salvation is not just for them. That salvation and being part of the kingdom of God is not simply a Jewish reality. And throughout the history of the Jewish people, they were convinced that they alone were the people of God. That no other people on the earth, no other nation other than them, were going to enter into the eternal kingdom of God. And they carried that out in their lives over and over again. They isolated themselves from others around them who were not Jews, all because they believed that in what God had said to them throughout their history, that it meant that they were exclusively the only ones who were God's people. And so when Christ came on the scene, when the Messiah entered into the world and began to challenge their views, and when Paul was converted, and when Paul began to go to others with the good news of salvation, they were incensed about it. They wanted those people gone. They even attacked Jesus Christ himself. They criticized Paul concerning the gospel message and what he was teaching. They were saying things to Paul like he wasn't a good speaker, so don't listen to him. And the things that he's saying contradict what we believe. They were saying that it was contrary to the Old Testament scripture. Paul, as we know, has a heart for his own ethnic brothers and sisters. He wants to see them saved. He even tells us in the first few verses of chapter 10, they have a zeal for God, verse 2, but it's not in accordance with knowledge. It's a, a misplaced zeal. They have all along tried to establish their own righteousness in their own way, a righteousness based upon what they did, a righteousness based upon their religious and their moral activity. They have all along been reached out to by Paul. And he's continually quoting to them the Old Testament. And he wants them to know that the gospel is a gospel of faith in Christ alone. And it is a gospel that has been that way since the prophets have proclaimed it throughout their entire history. This is the gospel. It is a gospel concerning Jesus Christ, and it is a gospel by which faith absorbs it, or faith uh, ushers you in. Faith is the vehicle through which Christ is embraced. It's always been that way. Nothing has changed. And the gospel has never been something exclusively for the alone. It is for, as we saw in verses 11 and verse 13, it is for whoever believes. It is for the whosoever. And so Paul has been dealing with this in chapter 10. And he, last time, finished with answering the first question about the way of salvation. And in the first uh, 13 verses, he talks about the way of salvation. They had a misplaced idea of the way of salvation. They believed salvation was by works. Salvation was by doing. 
It is not by works, it is by faith alone. And Paul has finished answering that question for them. And now he introduces us to what is on the minds of many in light of that reality. That it's for a whosoever, it's not by works. Then the question in people's minds is, how does a person become one of the whosoevers? How does someone become a whosoever can? In other words... We now understand that salvation is not by works. The Jew now has heard Paul say that. Listen, your life of works is of no avail. It is not by works that someone is saved. That it only comes through faith. And the whosoever will believe will be saved. But what is it that makes anybody do that? That's the question. And the first answer that we heard last Lord's Day was that a person becomes a whosoever by the hearing of the gospel. A person becomes a whosoever by the hearing of the gospel. That is what Paul is saying in verses 14 and 15. How shall they Call upon him in whom they have not believed. You need faith. Faith must be exercised. That's what call is. How can they do that if they have no faith? And how shall they have faith unless they haven't heard about the one they have to believe upon? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? And we talked about that in detail last Lord's Day. So for someone to be a whosoever, they must hear the gospel. There is no one who is saved who does not hear the gospel. But as I introduced to us last Lord's Day, the hearing of the gospel is not all that is needed. It is necessary, but it is not all. There is a second part. Now some say, why do you say that? I say that because there are plenty of people who hear the gospel. There are plenty of people who have heard the good news of Jesus Christ, who have heard about believing and heard about faith in Jesus Christ, heard about their sins, heard about the need for repentance, heard about all of these realities that come with believing, and yet they never have become one of the whosoevers. They've heard it, but they're not a whosoever. And that's patently obvious to all of us. It is patently obvious that all who hear do not believe. And therefore, all who hear the gospel do not get saved. Therefore, something else must also happen for someone to become a whosoever. And that secondly is this. This is the second reality that I was talking about. The second thing that must happen for someone to become a whosoever is this. The word that is preached, the gospel that is preached is made effective. It is made, they must hear the gospel, and that gospel is made effective in those who become a whosoever. Let me say that again. They must hear the gospel, and the word that is preached, the gospel that is preached, must be made effective for them to become a whosoever. That's what Paul is opening our eyes to in verses 16 and 17. Of Romans chapter 10. And this is what we need to look at this morning. The second side, if you will, or the second reality of how someone becomes a whosoever. We, as we began, let me just remind us as to what is being said in theological terms. So you can understand this on a theological level as well as a practical level. Verses 14 and 15 tell us about the general call of the gospel. The gospel must be preached. The gospel must go out. People must hear the gospel. That's the general call to the go- of the gospel to all people. The gospel is going out. That's the general call of the gospel. And then, then here in verses 16 and 17, we are being taught about the effectual call of the gospel in those whom God is saving. The effectual call of the gospel in those who are being made whosoevers, or those whom God is saving, those who are being saved. The general call of the gospel gives the information about Jesus Christ. 
The general call of the gospel commands all men everywhere to repent and believe upon Jesus Christ for salvation. That's the general call of the gospel. You must believe or you will be living under the wrath of God forever. But the general call of the gospel is not the effectual call unto salvation. person becomes a whosoever because of the efficacious call of the word of Christ. Notice what Paul says in verses 16 and 17 just for our own hearing. However, Paul says, in light of verses 14 and 15, the general call of the gospel going out, even though there's preachers who have gone out and shared the gospel, and they share it with people, even though there's people who have gone and shared the gospel with friends and neighbors and family, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good things. However, they did not all heed the glad tidings. Even Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So faith comes from hearing and hearing from or by the word of Christ. Now, oftentimes we can get in our mind that this mean, this somehow gives a blight upon the gospel if that's the way it is. The fact that people don't believe in the gospel seems to be, at least in some minds, a black eye on the gospel. Some try to say that the gospel must not be the way of salvation because there are not so many people who believe it. In comparison with the population of the globe, there's very few who are actually Christian, true Christians, even though the name has been attached to any myriad of religions. And therefore, they say, because of that, there must be another way. The gospel must not be the way because there are few that get saved. Jews have made such an argument to Paul. If your gospel is so saving, Paul, if what you're preaching is so saving, then why are still so few being saved by it? And so Paul answers it again from the Old Testament. He answers it again from the Old Testament. Verse 16, he says, he quotes Isaiah. Lord, who has believed our report? Who has believed our report? In other words, in in just flat out layman terms for you and I, it should not surprise us that few are saved. That's what Paul is kind of saying. It shouldn't surprise you that few are saved because that has been prophesied from Times past that that's how it would be. We know even from the New Testament, Jesus Christ even says, narrow is the road and few there are that find it. The gospel was and is preached, verse 16 says, or verse 15 says, but they did not all heed. They did not all believe or did not all obey. Some of your translations might say that. They did not all heed the good news, just as Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? And so right here, right out of the gate, in Paul's argumentation, of going from the general call to the efficacious call of the gospel, right out of the gate, Paul takes us back to one of the most famous prophetic passages in all of Scripture. Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, we heard some of that even this morning as Randy was helping us with the music. We just heard Paul quote verse 15 from Isaiah 52 and verse 7, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good things. That's Isaiah 52 verse 7. And then right in the very next sentence, we are reminded that Isaiah who clearly shows the way of salvation all the way through the book of Isaiah. It's all about salvation. That's the theme of Isaiah. Every chapter, all 66 chapters of it. In fact, the first 39 chapters kind of parallel the Old Testament, which is interesting since there's 39 books in the Old Testament. And the other 27 chapters of Isaiah parallel the New Testament. And it all hinges on chapter 53, And there's 66 chapters in Isaiah, and there's 66 books in the Bible. What a coincidence. 
not for God. And right here, Paul takes us to Isaiah's words. And Isaiah said, But Lord, who's believed our report? Who has believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? That's what it says in Isaiah 53. Now we remember who Isaiah was, right? Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6 is called by God. And Isaiah sees God in the throne of the temple. He knows he's a man undone because of his own sinfulness. Because he lives in a place that's full of sin just like we do. And God cleanses him and says, who am I going to send? And Isaiah says, here am I, Lord, send me. I'll go tell the people about your greatness. I'll go tell the people about your wonder and your majesty and your salvation and your forgiveness. And I'll go tell them about the gospel. And God touches Isaiah, go tell them. And Isaiah does just that throughout his entire prophecy. And here we are in Isaiah 53. Isaiah says, Lord, who's believed our report? The gospel's gone out. Who's believed it? So what is Paul doing? Paul's showing his ethnic brothers and sisters. And he's showing all of us. That each and every one is guilty of unbelief. Those to whom Paul is addressing, they are guilty of unbelief right there, right now, when Paul's speaking to them. And all of those who have come before Paul, even penning these very words for us, all those who came before under Isaiah's time and all those previous 800 years since Isaiah penned these words, all of those in between, they too were guilty of unbelief. So when Isaiah says it, his words of prophecy carry not just an immediate application, but they carry a distant application as well. An application not just for the people who read it then in that day, but an application for the very people that Paul is speaking to right here and the very people who are reading Paul's words today, you and I. So not only were the people that Isaiah preached to guilty of unbelief, refusing to believe the gospel that he preached, but also all who do not believe the gospel today. Who has believed our report, he says. So think about it with me, especially if you're of the Jewish ethnicity. Here you are, and you're proud of the fact that you have and know the Bible. You have the Old Testament. You're proud of that fact. It is the Torah to me. I I love the Torah. Uh, If I was a Jew, that's what I rely on for my life. You have been given the oracles of God. And you even despise the non-Jew who didn't have such a privilege. And you even say that nothing matters except your scriptures. In fact, you are just like those who Jesus confronted in John chapter 5. Jesus said to those in John chapter 5, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. In other words, you have idolized what I gave you as my word so much so that you think in that is eternal life. That when you attach yourself to that, that you have eternal life. And Jesus said, but it is those that speak of me. If you glory in the Scriptures, Paul says, then let's look at the Scriptures. You want to have that mindset? You want to say that you base your life upon the Scriptures? Then what does the Bible say? Listen, listen, you're talking to somebody, it's always better to go to the Scriptures and let them speak than to argue the gospel from your own view. Just let the Scripture speak. The Scriptures are sufficient to defend themselves. How could any Jew, and for that matter, frankly, how could any person, 800 years before an event, 
ever imagined that the nation of Israel would reject their Messiah. It was what they're waiting for. They're waiting for the Messiah. You talk to Jews today in Jerusalem, they say we're still waiting for the Messiah. I mean, this is the anticipated event of their entire existence. It's the biggest thing that will ever happen, at least in their mind. It was anticipated by everybody. And everyone assumed that when it happened, all would believe and all would worship the Messiah. That's the Jewish mindset. And yet Isaiah is saying, it's not going to be like that. It's not going to be like that. In fact, it's going to seem as if nobody believes. That's why Isaiah says, who has believed our report? I mean, we've gone to everybody, Lord. That's the implication. We've gone to everybody. Everybody's heard it. But who? Who has believed it? I mean, it's almost as if nobody. And then, and then we get the explanation as to why. It's here in verse 17. Here's the explanation. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. What is it that makes the difference in all? What is it that makes the difference? Verse 17 gives us the answer. They have not all believed the gospel. Why? Because all hearing of the gospel does not lead to faith. Let me say that again. They have not all believed the gospel because all hearing of the gospel does not lead to faith. In other words, you can hear the gospel and still not have saving faith. You can still have no faith at all. That is simply to say that the offer that is made to all is not effective in all. The offer that is made to all is not effective in all. It is offered to all. It is preached And it is to be preached to all, but all do not believe. So we can clearly see that there is a difference between hearing that leads to faith and hearing that does not lead to faith. And that is what we need to think through this morning because it all hangs on the use of the word hearing. Hearing. The word and its form in the original language is used twice in verse 17. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. That's the same root word, akuo, to hear in the original language, and it has different forms in that in that verse. But it's also used in verse 16 twice. But it does not have the same meaning. However, they did not all heed. That's the word there. Lord who has believed our report. That's the word there. They didn't heed our glad tidings. The the idea in verse 16 is the idea of obedience. Okay? They didn't obey. They didn't obey. The root word in the original language is the same root word that is translated in verse 17 as hearing. And then it's also translated in the quote in Isaiah 53 here in verse 16 in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, and it's translated as report, report in verse 16. But it's the same root word as hearing. A report is something you hear. So the word for hear is used several times in those two verses, and yet there's different meanings and flavors of meaning. And so we are told here that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ, right? That's what we're told. So what is being meant by the word hearing 
in that verse and by the word report in verse 16. Well, by the word report in verse 16, he's talking about the act of hearing. Okay? The act of hearing. Hearing the message of the report. The act of hearing what is being said. Who has been hearing what we are saying? Who's believed what they have heard? When Isaiah asks, who has believed our report? It could be translated this way. Who has believed the thing they heard? That could be the way of saying it, to get the idea of this issue of hearing. Who has believed the very thing they heard? But that's not the connotation of verse 17. Because if verse 17 had the same meaning as verse 16, the thing they heard, then verse 17 would read this way. Faith comes from the thing heard, and the thing heard comes from the word of Christ. Now, there's some correctness in that statement. There is some truth in that statement, right? The gospel comes from the word of Christ. If the word of Christ is the scriptures, if the gospel is, is from the word of Christ and the word of Christ is the Bible, the gospel comes from the scriptures. That's how we know, the gospel, know of the gospel. But I believe there's more here than that. And the context is always important for us, and the intent of the author is always important for us to remember. Now, I was reminded this week in my reading, as I was preparing for our time this morning, of this very fact. Back in Isaiah 6, God tells Isaiah this. Just listen. Isaiah 6, beginning in verse 9, he said, Go and tell this people, keep on listening, but do not perceive. Keep on looking, but do not understand. Render the hearts of this people insensitive, their ears dull, their eyes dim. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and return and be healed. Now, that portion of Scripture, Isaiah 53, verse 9 and 10, is quoted in Matthew chapter 13 by Jesus Christ himself as he's telling the parable of the sower. You say, why is that important? Well, I want to hopefully relay this to us so we can get an understanding here of John chapter 10, verse 17. Right? Jesus is beginning to speak to the people in parables, in these riddle kind of ways almost. And the disciples are struggling with that in their own minds. Those who are following Jesus, those who are identified as disciples, are struggling with this issue of parables. And so they come to Jesus and they ask him. Jesus had told the parable of the sower, right? The sower goes out, spreads seeds, some fall on these four different kinds of soil, and they produce no fruit or some are just plants that quickly rise up and certain things choke them out. He tells this parable and they ask Jesus, why do you speak to the people in parables? In other words, intimating, Jesus, you're just being confusing. Why is it, why, I mean, people need to understand clearly. Just, I mean, the Pharisees even said to Jesus, just tell us plainly. Why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus said to them, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been granted. For whoever has... To him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because while seeing, they do not see. And while hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, you will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but you will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears, they scarcely hear. And they have closed their eyes Otherwise, they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and return, and I would heal them. A very interesting passage. 
Jesus Christ, the Lord himself, speaking about the Jewish people and those who refused to believe in him. They refused. They closed their eyes to it. It's not worth being listened to. It's not true. Who has heard our report, Isaiah said. Jesus is saying the same thing. They're not hearing the report. It has not been granted to them. So when Jesus quotes that passage, he's using the same word that Paul is using here in Romans chapter 10. The gospel always brings about division of hearers. That's what it does. So what is it that explains that division? What is it that explains why one person hears and another person does not? It's the same reason that some didn't understand the parables. Because it's the one thing, it's one thing to hear the gospel, but it's another thing to hear in a manner that leads to faith. That is simply to say that all hearing is not the same. It is true that all people hear the same words. All people were hearing the parables. All people were were hearing what Jesus said. But they do not all hear the same message. Here's the difference. Here's the difference. In some, it has been granted. In some, it has been made effectual. In others, it has not. Once again, we are returned square face to face with the sovereignty of God in salvation. Once again, we are face to face with Paul dealt with at length in chapter 9 as to the reality that it is God who saves. Jesus says to his disciples, to you it has been granted to understand, but not to others. It has been granted to you to understand. In, in a parallel passage in Luke chapter 8, by the way, Jesus says this, Take care how you listen. Take care how you listen. For whoever has to him more shall be given, and whoever does not have even what he thinks he has shall be taken away from him. Be careful how you listen, he says. Take heed to what you're hearing. Don't just brush it aside as if it's nothing. Don't go, oh, here's a bunch of religious whack jobs talking about Jesus again. You see, there is the trouble with the heart of man. That's it right there. There's the trouble. Unless God does something, our hearts will not be careful about how it listens to the gospel. It will not. It wants nothing to do with the gospel. It wants nothing to do with God. Paul is saying to the Jews, listen, you need to be careful how you hear what I'm saying. What are you hearing? Jesus, in essence, was saying to the Pharisees and to all Jews in general in Luke chapter 8, listen, you sit in your seats and you hear every word. Really? Do you? You say you heard what I said. Did you hear? Were you careful to listen to what I said? Were you careful to listen to what I told you? What are you hearing? Take heed how you hear. Now what Paul says in verse 16. However, they did not all heed. They did not all heed. Take heed to what you hear, for whoever has, to him more will be given. And whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has will be taken from him. Listen, there are people who think they have the gospel. There are people who think, I've heard the truth, I've heard the gospel, I have the gospel. One day they're going to find out that they've never had it. They've never had it. They heard the gospel. 
But you know what? They never heeded the gospel. They heard it, but there was no heeding. So Paul is speaking to two types of hearing. One that is mechanical hearing, one that is just hearing the words, one that is like, as I've said before, in kind of a a cheeky way, like Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, 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 wah. That's what we're hearing. And others are heeding it. They're heeding what they're hearing. One is mechanical, and one is of faith. Both hear it, but only one heeds. It's faith that matters. Faith that matters. You can hear the gospel and never believe it. It's faith that matters. I was thinking about this this week. Several years ago, there was a Christian music artist that had a line in a, in a song that I've never forgotten. Uh, the artist's name was Chuck Gerard. I don't know. He's not even on the scene, I don't think, anymore. But I think it illustrates the difference between hearing and heeding. The line in his song said, I hear that you're into the Word. He, he, the song was about uh, knowing God, getting to know God, obviously believe in Jesus. I hear you're into the Word. People say, I read the Bible, I read the Bible, I read the Bible, I read the Bible. I hear you're into the Word. And the next part of the line said, but is the word into you? You see, that's the difference. You've heard the gospel, but have you heeded it? You heard the truth about Jesus Christ, but did you believe it? Or did you just brush it aside? Or did you just attach it to your life in your moral system and say, oh, I'm good because I have Jesus and look at who I am. God would accept me. I'm a good guy. Paul says faith comes from hearing. You've got to hear the gospel. Faith comes from hearing it and hearing it by or through the Word of Christ. Through the Word of Christ. It's heeding the gospel. You can hear the gospel every day of your life. Never heed it. I grew up in the church. My dad got saved when I was five. I'm 56 years old. I've been in the church 50, over 50 years. My entire life I heard the gospel thousands of times before the age of 24 when I actually heeded the gospel. Oh, I said I was Christian a lot. I told people I was a Christian. I wasn't saved at all. Never heeded the gospel until that day on my brother's living room floor. What kind of hearing produces that kind of saving faith? Let me show you what kind of hearing produces that. Go back to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 16. Paul had gotten the Macedonian vision to go over to Macedonia. And so Paul heeds the call. And he's over in Lystra and Iconium. Much is happening in the ministry of the Apostle Paul as he's traveling through the area. Verse 11 says, Therefore, putting out to the sea from Troas, he ran a straight course to Summerthrace, and on the day following to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the leading city in the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony, and we were staying in the city for some days. Now, here's Paul's thing. He's in Philippi. He's reached this place. It's a Roman colony, a lot of Rome, Rome, Roman people there. Big Roman outpost of soldiers are there. And on the Sabbath day, verse 13, we went outside the gate to a riverside where we were supposing that there would be a place of prayer. So we had this desire, man plans his way, but God directs his step, right? We, it's a Sabbath day, we're going to go down by the river, a quiet place, we're going to find a place where it's quiet, we can pray. And we sat down and we began speaking to the women who had assembled. There were women there, probably some who were 
potentially washing things and doing daily chores as, as the women in an agrarian society were doing. Here they are, they're assembled at the water. They began to talk to these women. And a certain woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, we get an idea of who this woman was. If you were in the Sunday school class, you'd know more about Lydia than, than uh, others maybe because we've been hearing about Philippians in that study. But here she is. She's a worshiper of God. She's someone who believes in God, someone who pays homage to God, someone who is a religious person, a faithful religious person in these things, and she's listening. There's that word. She's listening. Her ears are tuned in. She's hearing what Paul is saying. And what happened? And the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. There it is. There's the difference. There's the difference between just hearing and someone who is going to heed. Right here you have the reality that it comes from the Lord. It's the Lord that opens the heart. It's the Lord that causes your ears to hear. It is what Jesus said to the disciples. It has been granted to you. He's saying the same thing. It is the Lord that opened your heart and your mind. And we know that it actually happened because Lydia heeds the words of Paul. She responds to the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household had been baptized. There you go. You got it. Here's a person, a religious person who thought, I'm, I'm, I'm good with God. Paul speaks. The Lord opens her heart. She believes. Now she's truly saved. And she does what? She gets baptized. She's this outward expression of the inward reality of what took place on the riverbank there in the words of Paul. And she says, I believe in Jesus Christ. She's baptized. And then she begins to be hospitable to Paul and all those. In fact, she's, she's pretty persuasive in her language in verse 15. She persuades them. She prevails upon us to stay with them. Now, there's some other response. Verse 16, it happened that as we were going from the place of prayer, a certain slave girl, here's somebody else now, having a divination met us who was bringing her masters much profit by fortune-telling. Here's total pagan following after Paul. She kept crying out, These men are bondservants of the Most High God. They're proclaiming the way of salvation. You'd think Paul would go, Yeah, keep preaching that. No, he doesn't. Why? Because there's a mixed message going on. This person is as pagan as it comes, who is involved in all this fortune-telling and talking to spirits and all of this bizarre stuff that God never would want and saying this other thing out of the other side of her mouth just to garner some kind of accolade, some kind of crowd. And she's doing this all the time, day after day. And so Paul is annoyed with it. And he turns and says to, your, to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. Paul says, we can't have that. can't have that. And so she comes out, and of course we know what happens. These people lose all their wealth because of, there's no more idol selling, no more fortune telling, and they get mad and drive Paul out. You see, Lydia didn't think Paul was ridiculous. She didn't just dismiss what he said as if it was nonsense, as if it was just wackiness. No, she heard every word. And Acts chapter 16 says she responded to the things spoken by Paul. Implications, she obeyed it. She obeyed it. That's what heed means. You believe. You do it. She heeded the gospel. And she's immediately taken hold of by the message. She pays attention to the message. She realizes it's something she needs. And she embraces the message. Think about your own life. Think about how you got saved. Maybe, maybe you were like me. Maybe in your childhood you paid no attention to what you heard from others. In the Bible, maybe it was just, hey, I, I get to go there and see my friends at church. And then you were a bit older. Your parents told you the truth. And you thought to yourself in your heart of hearts, yeah, that's good for you, but it's not for me. 
Yeah, you go do your thing. I'm going to do my thing because I'm a little older now and I know I don't need that. It's something you need, but I don't need it. And then the day came when one day you thought to yourself, you know, I, I'm just going to go to church because i got nothing else better to do. And you show up at a church service and the preacher's there doing his thing and you thought that that spotlight was on you and you alone. That guy is talking to me. You thought he was just speaking directly to you. That he somehow had some kind of clairvoyance, got in your yard that day and said, man, i got to prepare this message for that person. And you begin to heed what's being said. And you know you need to hear it. And you know you need what is being said. That's what hearing means in verse 17 of John of Romans chapter 10. That's what it means. That's what is being said is the most vital thing in your life. The word of Christ. The word about Christ. There's nothing more vital than that. That's what Paul is saying here. With hearing by the word of Christ. It's hearing that's all about Christ. Hearing about who he is. Hearing about what he's done for a sinner like you. Hearing about the substitutionary sacrifice he made on a cross so that you wouldn't have to pay for your sins forever. That he died, that he rose again so that you who would believe might have life in his name like John said. That's what verse 17 is saying. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of Christ. They hear the gospel. So many have heard the gospel, but they never heed the gospel. So Paul is speaking of two types of hearing. One that is mechanical, one that is of faith. One that hears. One that hears the truth. One that heeds it. The world says that's a foolish message. Someone dying for somebody else and then you just believe upon him and you'll be saved. The message about Christ, that's idiocy. The Jews asked for a sign. The Greeks asked for wisdom. Give me facts. Line them up. But Paul said to the Corinthian church, we preach Christ, what? Crucified. We preach Christ crucified. The one who is the power of God and the wisdom of God. That's what we preach. It's that message applied by the Spirit of God to the mind and the heart that produces faith. Not a faith that you have. You don't have it. That's why Ephesians 2 says it's a gift of God. A faith we need and a faith we cannot get on our own. There is no saving faith without the Spirit's operation and the message concerning Jesus Christ. Like I said, there's a whole lot of people who say they have a belief in God, that they are being blessed by God, that they will be in heaven's glory when they die because they say they know God. But if there is no belief in the word concerning Jesus Christ, if it is not centered on Christ, if it is not Christ crucified, Christ rose again, then it is not the gospel and they are doomed. Why? Because the only message that the Spirit of God will honor is the message about Christ. It's the only one he honors. And it's only when the word of Christ comes. It's only when the gospel is preached and it's preached concerning Christ. It's not preached, hey, have your better life now. It's not preached, hey, if you, if you say you believe in Jesus, you'll have health, wealth, and prosperity now. That's not the gospel. It's a gospel about a crucified Christ who died on a lonely cross so that you and I, who love our sin, would be saved from our sin. It's only the word of Christ when it comes with the power of the Spirit that it's made efficacious by God, by the Spirit, that we have faith to believe. That's why some believe and some do not. That's what Paul is saying. It's not enough to mechanically hear the gospel. The question is, have you heeded the gospel? 
Have you heeded the gospel? Has the word come with power to you? Has it come with conviction to you? Are you obeying it? It's all of grace. It's a gift from God, right? By grace you are saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, Ephesians 2 said. So we must ensure that the gospel goes out. We must ensure that those who take the gospel in an official capacity are sent by the church. They're not just self-appointed in themselves to go and do that. Yes, we as Christians are to share the gospel. But those who go, a preacher is sent. Verse 15. So let's ensure the gospel goes out. And then let's fervently pray. Pray that those who hear will be made to heed the gospel. Let's pray that they won't just mechanically hear. Let's pray that the Spirit would cause them to heed. Like Lydia. Like you. Like all who are saved. They've been caused by God to heed. Because faith comes from hearing Got to hear. How shall they call upon him whom they haven't believed? And how will they believe in whom they have not heard? You got to hear. For you can have faith to believe. There has to be hearing. Faith comes from hearing. Hearing by the word of Christ. Made effective by the spirit of Christ. Those who believe. Let's pray that God would cause those to heed. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the challenge that it is to our thinking. Thank you for saving. Thank you for doing your work. Thank you for giving the gospel. Thank you for making the way Thank you for ensuring all the reality and details to ensure that those whom you will save will indeed be saved. Thank you for causing us who know Jesus Christ. Thank you for causing us to to see. Thank you for granting us the understanding, for opening our eyes, for allowing our ears to hear, for giving us faith that we might call upon you in whom we believe. Thank you for that reality. Thank you for not leaving us in the darkness. Thank you for opening our hearts to heed what you have said. And Lord, we pray. As you have commanded us to give the gospel, we pray. And when we give the gospel, that you would open the ears of the hearer. To heed it. To obey it. To believe it. To know Christ. There are only hope. Thank you for our time this morning, Lord. We trust your name has been glorified in it. Because of your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.